Hello friends welcome back to Saw's Talk in 2021. You can believe we are finally reunited not me I thought I was headed for the trash heap for sure. Instead we have a great show Pat is here. In honor of the new year Johnny is 10% less combative than usual. Pretty good for him. This will not last. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back yet again. It's been a long delay. Uh, there's no apologies. There's no excuses. Just a fact. Deal with that. Another thing you can deal with, a good guest on the other line. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Pat Polk. Pat, how are you doing? Hey, John. How's it going? I'm pretty good. Uh, you know, again, like COVID-adjusted terms, pretty solid. Nothing too exciting, but hanging in. How about you? I like that idea, that... that uh... Yeah, yeah, coming up with an adjustment like it, it's it's not uh, inflation so much as it is like if you compared it, it uh, I, guess, I guess no it's like in two thousand dollars so like if I felt this way in a normal year I feel really fucking bad but <laughs> in COVID times pretty good day to day hanging in there doing some stuff exactly so yeah, yeah it's fine maybe someday we'll be back I don't I shudder to think what what year would be my baseline for like I I felt pretty good most of that year I don't know what We've, that's a different topic. We're not going to discuss that. What we are going to discuss, Pat, eat anything good lately? Yes. Um, so not as much good stuff as I was. Again, COVID-adjusted terms. Uh, the dining out has been extremely limited lately, and we are cooking at home a lot. And obviously, uh, Jen is a, a great cook, and I am an okay assistant, uh, but... We've mostly been going through a lot of uh, old staples that aren't that new and exciting or trying out new things that are slightly more hit or miss. So the thing that comes to mind is this bagel shop that is very close to us that is quickly like climbing the ranks of my favorite places in Oak Park as far as being a very specialized place that has very good food for that type of food. Uh, so I've, I've previously spoken about the pie shop uh, with the league. We love the and, pie shop. I love it. Uh, spilt milk, and that's probably the best place in Oak Park, even though it only pretty much sells pies and cookies and, like, limited sandwiches type stuff. The bagel place makes really good bagels, and uh, it's called the Daily Bagel, but it's daily spelled, like, Richard M. Daly or something like that. Not Your greatest uh, hero. Every day. Exactly. Uh, I think it is just genuinely their last name. I don't think that they're making a mayor reference. But uh, So they have very good bagels, but... Uh, in case that I might have talked about this before and forgotten about it, I will specifically say on what will probably be a recurring theme on this episode, um, uh, treating me like a child, I one thing that I particularly like there that I hadn't had in probably 20 years is a bagel dog. They have bagel dogs that are like local uh, local bagel dogs. I don't, I don't know where they source their hot dogs from, but obviously they make their own bagel wrap around the hot dog. And so I've had a couple of bagel dogs recently, and I hadn't had that probably since high school. A lot to go back to. Let's, let's do it in reverse. First off, I don't think I've ever heard of a bagel dog before. I've had, like, oh. you get, like, the, the dog in the crescent roll or whatever. I don't dig. So this is, uh, this is a legit, like, hard bagel with a hot dog. Does the hot dog stick out the ends, or is it just encased? It's fully encased in, in this incarnation. So I had had them before, um, 
Mostly, I don't know what you did in your school, but especially not not at IMSA, but at, <laughs> well, like, you idiots, you went to regular schools. No, I don't no, know no, no, what no, you no. guys were doing down now. I, up here at the fancy schools, let me tell you, kind of bagel dogs we eat. No, it was not. It was actually the opposite direction. I'm saying <laughs> okay. in Morris. Oh, okay, did, I see. When we did market days, I don't know if you did market days where you could like order. Okay, so Morris had a thing called market days, and I know that other schools did too. And so it was like a fundraising thing essentially for the school. And and it was just like, it was kind of like a book fair, but it was like a food fair. Like they had a catalog of food that you could order through the school and it was called market days. And so like they had certain things, they had like French toast sticks that were pretty good. And they had like apple turnovers. They had frozen pretzels. But one of the things they had was bagel dogs. And so that was definitely the main way that I had experienced bagel dogs in my childhood. And so those, when you got them from market days were frozen uh, but yeah, it's a regular hot dog, and then it is a, a like the bagel bread. Obviously, it's not a bagel itself; it is not a circle. Right, right. Uh, but it is like the bagel bread wrapped like a spiral around the bagel, and is completely—I mean, around the hot dog—and is completely encased. And usually, the ones at market days that were frozen were pretty puffy, and they had poppy seeds uh, sprinkled on top, and they tasted very good. Uh, they're obviously very bad for you because um, it is a hot dog and a bagel <laughs> in one thing. Uh, but I liked them, and I had them in my childhood. And so it's like it's it's a close to a corn dog. Is it on a stick, or do you just get it? No stick on okay. and, and any bagel dog I've ever had. I don't know if other people serve them on sticks, but it it is on its own, uh, and it is savory. Uh, but but I like them, and so yes, that is hopefully that answers your question. It, it, it sounds really good. Uh, I'm not going to eat one, but like if I ate <laughs> they, meat, hey, I would like want to eat one. They have vegan bagel dogs at the Daily Bagel. Wow. I mm-hmm. if I find myself the Daily Bagel, I think that will be my bagel of the day. Um, there you go. To whatever extent it counts. Uh, my second point. I made another note here. You said this is going to be a recurring theme, treating you like a child. What does that mean? Well, I don't want to spoil any future segments, uh, but when you ask me other standard podcast questions one of my recommendations frankly is a very uh childish activity and so i will uh again admit to my adolescent interests when okay you ask me if I, uh for recommendations well, maybe that'll be an ongoing theme this episode i like it and then uh my last one you can you can take this either way you want to as mm-hmm. far as daily bagel specific or just bagels but can i get your top three favorite bagels you may, and, and I would say it's not going to be specific uh, to the Daily Bagel, probably. They do, so they have all the standard varieties for the most part, and then they have like a rotating special bagel, and so some of those are very good. Um, I don't have, I'm going to warn you, none of this is going to be very interesting. These are all pretty standard choices. Uh, my number one is the Everything Bagel. I just, I like a, an Everything Bagel. Uh, I oftentimes, so when I worked in the office, there was an Einstein bagel close by. And sometimes if I was really hungry when I got to work, I would go to the Einstein bagel and I would get, this is a weird one. So when I'm at home, I would usually have just a bagel toasted with butter. I don't really like um, cream cheese on my bagels too much. I know that's the thing. But at Einstein, sometimes when I wanted something more substantial, I would get a toasted everything bagel with hummus spread on it. And that's a lot. It's a lot of carbs. It's a lot to take in, but it actually tastes really good, uh, and so I enjoyed it. So anyway, uh, just the everything would be my number one choice. My 
this might actually be surprising. Recently, we've when we go to the Daily Bagel, because it's a nice bagel place, uh, they're pretty expensive bagels, and if you if you are eating them often, it can become an expensive habit. And so they, of course, sell day-old bagels, and they're sold in bags of half dozen, and it's like essentially like half price or something. And so, but they have very limited varieties available of of the day-olds. Like they, they, I've never been where they have everything bagels in the in the day-old section. So what I've had recently because of being forced by the limited option of what's available day old is I've been having some sesame bagels recently, just mm. sesame on the outside. And I was surprised at how much I like, I, I didn't think of sesame seeds as having that much flavor and like really enhancing that much. Like when I have a, a hamburger bun with sesame seeds, I don't think of it as like being a big benefit. A true but, treat, finally, yes. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but the the sesame bagel is surprisingly flavorful and I, I'd really like it uh, as a backup. And again, this is only being forced upon me because it is like, they usually have plain and sesame and maybe one other thing in the day old section. And so what and kind of maybe my, I was going to get the, the plain day old bagels. I mean, that's, you're clearly just throwing these at birds or something. You're not really going <laughs> to eat these. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've bought some sometimes uh, when, uh, because they're, the girls like the bagels too, and, uh, they don't need fancy bagels. So I just need we, carbs we... to inject into my children. What do you guys got? <laughs> exactly. So, uh, what we do because they're Dales, like we will like keep a couple in our bread box, Jen bought a bread box oh, nice. and put the rest in the freezer. And so the Dale, if obviously if you keep, if you buy a dozen or so, day old bagels you're not gonna burn through those before they go stale so uh most of them go in the freezer and we'll slowly work them out but but yeah i i'm will absolutely admit that i have got plain day old bagels as sad as that may sound and then again my last one which is again boring but uh when i want i gotta go sweet when i for the third option and i just i really like a, a cinnamon raisin bagel it's a good choice um i will say i'm jealous of your bread box I uh, read something somewhere about like the advantages of possessing an actual bread box. I was like, I gotta get a bread box, and then I got out my tape measure and took a look at some places I might put a bread box, and thought, no, I first gotta get a bigger kitchen, and then I can get a bread box because legit bread boxes surprisingly large and counter space eating. They are a standard of comparison for size. It's true. I guess I shouldn't have to say that. Everybody already, like, you're a bread box. <laughs> right. like, oh, I mean, yeah, intuitively, that. apparently intuitively, everyone has an exact conception of a bread box. That's measure of volume, my favorite. Um, yep. I will say that I wrote down my top three favorite bagels, and yes. they are one, everything, and then I just wrote a two and a three and left them blank for effect. Because <laughs> uh, if I go to the bagel place and they're like, we don't have the everything bagel, well, then it's just like, okay, you guys are out of what... I want just what like what's around I'm, like maybe I'm gonna eat the weird blueberry bagel or I'm gonna get the weird bagel with the egg on it whatever I'm disappointed I wanted the everything bagel everything bagels are good it is it's everything bagel works really well I usually don't like do you, do you like a supreme pizza do you like the pizza that just has every topping I do not I no. hate that I never want that no me neither. So I, feel I mean like in I... general I don't want the thing where they just dump all the god on it but with the bagel I do yeah, uh, personally, I don't like mushrooms, and that is always a problem with the Supreme or whatever type of thing that is close to a Supreme pizza. Um, they almost always have mushrooms. If there, if I did like every ingredient in a Supreme pizza, I probably still would not want it. I, I want a more pure, 
pizza experience, but I think maybe the issue is just the everything bagel is just adding a bunch of like seeds and seasoning. It's not like fundamentally changing your mm. experience to eating the bagel as opposed to uh deluxe or supreme pizza will like it's just like heavy and loaded with stuff and like it's like chunky and it really modifies your experience as opposed to just like a one topping pizza. That's very true because like like you say the supreme pizza is a fundamentally different pizza than a cheese pizza or a one or even a two topping pizza whereas an everything bagel it's got sesame seeds but think about that sesame seed bagel it's got so many more sesame seeds and so you're not really ending up with more things on it but if they did the supreme pizza that way there'd be like one pepper three pepperonis and, and yeah. everybody get pissed off like it, most bites don't even have half the things yep yep okay so we worked that out supreme pizza fuck you everything bagel forever next excellent topic pat let's let's dig in uh, potentially sad maybe we'll get some funny stories out of it i think this will be a good time i'd like to hear about if you have any maybe you had it maybe you had a blessed life i don't know but how about your worst childhood injuries as far as actual injuries go and as far as actual childhood goes um i have one particular example definitely um I broke my arm when I was about three, which oh, is also boy. terrifying because, like, Lily is, like, almost five. So I can't imagine. I'd be so sad if Lily <laughs> broke her arm and if even younger Lily broke her arm. It is very sad to imagine. But um, that is definitely the, the most exact example. Also, like, a couple of times I almost drowned when I was a kid, but that's, like, not an injury. And in, like, high school I got stitches, and that's the only time I've ever gotten stitches. Um, and so, but that's not really childhood. So I have a few loose fits, but I have definitely one squarely as a serious childhood injury. And otherwise, yeah, I guess I've been pretty lucky because those, that's only a few examples come to mind. Well, I, I, let's, let's dig in. Let's start with that. How did, how did you break your arm as a three-year-old? So we lived in this house that was right next to a park in Morris and it had a bunch of playground equipment and I was there with my family and so they had slides and swings. They actually had this one thing um, that I don't see at a lot of other parks. And I don't know if it's just because it's old-fashioned or if it's a Morris thing. But they had a, a slide. This is not where I injured myself, but this is a tangent. They had a slide that was just a giant triangle, like sheet of metal that was a triangle. And so you, like, would climb holding the guardrail, climb to the top of the triangle, and then, like, slide down. It was, like, I don't know, like... 15 feet wide and like 10 feet tall is like a giant sheet of metal in a triangle shape with just a guardrail around the perimeter. Uh, and I don't obviously not in the bottom, but on the top two mm -hmm. sides. And uh, that was a weird thing. And that was like very intimidating when I was a child, but the, have you ever seen one of those? Is that a thing? I think I've seen a much smaller version of some, I, I, I can picture the triangle with the really wide, but the one I'm thinking of was not as tall or wide as what it sounds like you're describing. Okay. Well, and again, maybe I was a child. It's possible it was like actually not nearly that big. <laughs> and I'm just like, in my mind, I'm exaggerating. Uh, but it seemed very large at the time. Uh, so where I did injure myself, there were swings um, that are made for children, but they're not normal swings where you just sit in a little piece of rubber. Um, it well, They were animal swings. They were like little, like, essentially like statues of animals, kind of like on a like on a carousel or something. Mm -hmm. It was like, they looked like miniature versions of carousel animals yeah. essentially. And so there was a lion. There's a, I think there's a tiger and a seal. Anyway, I really like the lion. 
And so I was three years old. I was very uh, little, and I could just barely climb up on top of it unassisted. Like I had to swing my leg really high up and then like kind of like launch myself to get on top of it and then try to start swinging. And so I did that. I like full, like flung my leg on top of the lion and like kind of crawled up so that I was up. And uh, in this instance, I had a little too much momentum. And so I guess I was going the other way because it's my left arm. So I swung my left leg up flung myself after my leg so that I was upright, but I just kept going. <laughs> I fell off and landed squarely on my arm and I landed on my arm. And it was, uh, at that time it was just gravel, uh, on the ground. Oh, it was boy. like, it was, would have been grass, I assume, but probably the grass was probably worn away, um, by, by use. And so I landed on my arm and it hurt a lot. Uh, and I started crying and my parents, obviously were concerned and they said, are you okay? And then I held up my arm and it was like definitely visibly broken and not, there wasn't, it wasn't a compound fracture or anything. There was no like bone sticking, but like, it was like completely crooked, like a straight line and then scoot over a bit. And then another straight line. It was like absolutely broken. And so, uh, they took me to the hospital, like obviously without hesitating, they obviously could tell it was broken. And I am told, I don't remember this part because I was three years old, I'm told that the people at the hospital asked me how I injured myself and they kept prodding me like I was being abused by my parents. Uh, so that's fun. And they didn't believe me for a while or something. Uh, so anyway, they had to, I guess they said it. I don't remember that either, but they, I got a cast and I had a cast for a long time because uh, it was broken and, you know, people like, Ooh, you have a cast. And the other thing that I remember about it is that one time I had to go in to get it loosened, the cast loosened or, maybe, or reapplied or something. In any event, I had to go in to get it adjusted. I, in my mind, it was a loosening. But it was it's like in The Simpsons when they went to the doctor, uh, the dentist, and there were the terrifying machines, <laughs> uh, which we've had long conversations about how that's not a funny thing on its own. Anyway, um, distinct memory. It was a doctor, or maybe it's a nurse's assistant, whatever. Somebody came at me with what looked like essentially a handheld, like, pizza cutter saw. Oh, boy. It was, like, terrifying, little circle of metal with teeth spinning to cut the cast on my arm to loosen it or cut it all the way off, whatever. I don't know. Again, memory foggy. I would assume that there were some sort of precaution taken so that I wouldn't move because you would want a child to stay still while this was happening. I don't remember what, how it happened, but I did move because I was terrified and it cut my arm uh, under the cast. Oh my and God. So I had a scar for like my whole life, essentially. Like it's very, very faint now, but I had like, um, like maybe like three or four, like thin straight line dots uh, from the, cast loosening cutting my arm when I was three because I moved because I was terrified of the electric pizza cutter coming in my arm. I don't know about this. I hope the three-year-old doesn't move policy we have when putting blades next to them. Seems yeah, like I, we can I'm do guessing, better. I'm guessing probably like my parents were holding me or something and they didn't expect me How to fight as hard as I did. How do you so well to be like, yeah, like, don't move the eighth of an inch where the blade is. Right. So I'm guessing they should have strapped me down or something and I, 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 yeah, I probably just like surprised them with my suddenness, but I definitely moved and definitely got cut and definitely had a scar that is like just now, like probably not visible anymore. Or if it is, is barely visible, but I got cut mighty good by the cast loosening. So that's my childhood injury story. 
I think there's a good chance I would move in that circumstance today. The idea that like a very small child who doesn't really understand what's going on is just going to be super chill. Oh yeah. boy, um, you want you, you got any, you want to tell one of those drowning stories? Uh, it's yeah. So the the most specific one, um, we had family friends that had a pool outside, uh, and it was an it was a good pool. They were rich. And so there's a kiddie side and a deep side. And so, again, I mean, most of these stories are a child uh, testing his limits and his abilities to, uh, you know, play around until bad things happen. So I was just barely tall enough um, to, like, stand in the the shallow end of the pool. Uh, I think I was four or five at this point, um, recovered from the breaking arm, but not <laughs> not long. <laughs> Cass has been off and, for two weeks. Diving yeah, into exactly. pools instantly. And so I was I was in the shallow end of the pool and I was on my tippy toes bouncing like with my head tipped back, like head above water. And I was like, Look, mom, look, dad, I'm bouncing. look at I'm in the pool, like I'm, I'm touching the bottom, touching the bottom. And the transition between the uh shallow end and the deep end is a, just a steep slope. And so I hopped, 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 and then accidentally hopped onto the steep slope part and slipped and went straight into the deep end all the way down. And my mom, it's really funny nowadays to picture my mom like springing to action because she like, is just like, she doesn't like do a lot of like crazy physical stuff, but apparently mother instincts really kicked in. She like very quickly dove in the water and got me out of there. uh, And I was saved uh, but I was I was fully submersed and like gurgling <laughs> under the under the water pool and it, I don't remember how deep the deep end was because again it's been a long time but it was like more like probably like eight feet or something it was like a deep deep part of a of a personal pool uh, and then the other time was in the ocean I got uh, dragged out by like a rubber <coughs> toe uh, and, and it was like I my family lore is that I was afraid of the water perhaps because of this near drowning experience. I just never enjoyed swimming in any regard in a pool in a kiddie pool with floaties without floaties in the ocean at the beach. I never really enjoyed swimming. I don't think I was afraid of it. I just didn't dig it. But anyway, I was playing around at the beach visiting my grandmother and grandparents at the time in Florida. And I got like sucked, uh, you know, underwater and away from the shore uh, and had to be rescued again. Who rescued you there? I believe it was, again, my mom probably. might At that time, I was a little bit older. It might have been my sister. She might have been big enough uh, to, to pull me back in, but I believe it was my mom again. The first, well, first, obviously, very scary situations, especially that first one being so small and like, they always say how quickly and unnoticeable can be when someone's drowning. Um, but that's got to be a nice thing, like especially uh, for the mother of a, a young child like that to have in her back pocket to be like, oh, by the way, it is confirmed that like I have that instinct. And if I see the wrong thing, I won't even know what's happening. I'll just be in the pool saving my child. Yeah. that's. I, I, have you ever saved your children from drowning or anything yet? No, I mean... So, like, you you assume you have that. It's just right there and will happen instantly. But until you do it, you just got to hope you do it. They've gone to the... Like, Lily has gone for, like, three-year-old and four-year-old swim lessons. And, like, that was, like, very contained. And otherwise, like, they don't 
swim in deep water ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, like probably they have a good idea. In the tub and been submerged yeah. in the tub, and I quickly scoop them up. <laughs> uh, but there's never been any real danger of actual drowning. Although I know kids drown in the tub. I'm not trying to understate. Certainly, that. yeah. They, they they always see those things. They go, oh, "This much water is enough for yeah. your baby," and it's basically it's like a nothing. Yeah. Um. I will do one very quickly. When I was in eighth grade, uh, we used to have our, our, this is how we did things in my school. We would rent roller skates for the PE class. Did you do that? Not in junior high. I think that might've been a thing that happened in high school that I missed out on. Uh, well, if you're anything like me, you didn't miss out on much. I absolutely, (laughs) like I was, I was a, a jerk. And so I liked most things we did in PE very much. We were like playing games and sports and stuff. But then when the fucking roller skates would show up, I was terrible at roller skating. And then everybody always wanted to, there was like hockey equipment around for like floor hockey. And everybody always wanted to do that. But the, it happened a few times with eventually the PE teacher was like, this is way too dangerous. <laughs> Somebody's going to get killed. Everybody's trying to shoot the ball so hard the Sticks are at, like neck high at all times, and so we were not allowed to do it. But one day we had a substitute, and then everybody was like, "Oh yeah, we always play hockey with the roller skates." And then he was like, "Okay, cool, play hockey," and he like just hung out on the side. And then I think this was like the last period of the day for me, and there, there was like a big huddle of people, and then the ball just kind of squirted out, and I turned around, and he was right behind me, and I went to go get. It. I was a very slow skater. And a girl named Cassie uh, wanted to get by me. And so she just kind of kind of shrugged me by. And I just went straight down. And I put my wrist right under my left wrist, but underneath my right shoulder and just smashed. Ooh. And uh, I didn't think it, it kind of hurt, but it wasn't that bad. And then I just I just finished playing. And I went and I took a shower and I went home. And it just kept getting bigger. And then eventually my mom was like, we have to go to the emergency room and see how badly broken your wrist is. And it was kind of badly broken. And then uh, I didn't get a cast, though. I was really disappointed. I guess it was too far down. So it was more just a weird brace thing I wore until I didn't want it anymore. I've never Hmm. had a cast, disappointingly. I always thought they were cool. My friend Mark got a bright green one in, like, fourth grade. And all the pretty girls signed it. And I was his friend, so I was like... I had some runoff action, but nothing like what I was hoping for. <laughs> and I'm sure Mark was just, all the ladies wanted to talk to him. Mm-hmm. Never had a cast. Uh, that is that segment. We're skipping my other story because it's not as interesting. I can't believe how many actually good, interesting, dangerous stories you had. No, thank you. I think all three of yours are better than my uh, the one I, I even told, let alone the other one. So, <laughs> Good job, like, being out there and getting fucked up a little bit. Thanks, thanks. I guess I was careless. I, it is hard to imagine, yeah, any of these things happening to my own children would be so upsetting. And so, and also, like, playground equipment is so much safer now. It seems, like, unlikely that a very similar situation would happen. I'm sure both girls will get hurt someday, and I'll feel bad about it then. But, like, these scenarios seem unlikely, specifically. And yeah, everything is like springy, cushiony, padded. Uh, and I'm not going to be one of those old timers who's like, in my day, it was more fun because we like had to play on barbed wire. Uh, it, I think it is 
good. <laughs> Yay for safer playground equipment. That is exactly where I was going to go there. I hate that so much. So many people are like, oh, you know, we had it like this, this, and this, and we made it. It's like, well, some of us did. Some of us <laughs> didn't, and that's why we changed it. We wanted more of us to make it, and now more of us do. It's great. I love most of my friends not having, like, well, my, my son got paralyzed at the parking lot yesterday because he was jumping off a thing. That sucks. Let's do yeah. less of that whenever we can do it. I feel like in the 60s, everybody just had, you know, one of my kids, you know, he fell in the pool the wrong way and now he's dead. And so we can limit some of that. Let's go ahead and limit it. Let's not act like it's cool to all be so tough. Yeah. And like the, the new safer stuff, they like do some cool creative stuff with it. Like there's a park across the street from where we live right now. And there's like a lot of really cool playground equipment. That's great. Absolutely. Uh, next up, one of our recurring segments we always try to hit. Pat, I'd like to tell you a little bit about the video for the song Year 3000. <laughs> okay, I'm excited. Um, I, I watched it a couple more times since the last time we talked. A couple. And uh, <laughs> I know, I think I've brought this up to some extent before, but we've never, well, we've certainly never dug into it to the extent that we're about to. I am very concerned about the fact in this video, I, I won't say culture because we don't know about anything else. Music has not progressed between the present day, which I believe is like 2006, and the year 3000. In the year, <laughs> they go to the year 3000 and they uh -huh. get there and they hold up two different music magazines. And if you pause, on the right moment and you zoom way in that you can see the dates on the magazines and they were both in the year 3000. Wow. And the people on That's the attention cover, to detail. The people Good on job, the James covers Brothers. of those magazines are the Jonas Brothers and Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> Just like, yeah, like they will sing of my glories for a thousand years. For, yeah, first off, that is that is very audacious of the Jonas Brothers to be like, you know, who will have staying power like through the ages? Like who, who is your favorite musician from the year 1000, Pat? Yes. <laughs> yes, that's correct. Yeah, we, we love them. Uh, very few people have such staying power, but I guess Kelly Clark, but so I, you can think of this. I've, this is a recurring theme in like weird media. I know people have remarked frequently how strange it is that in, what's strange is, you'll see what I'm getting at here, in the game Fallout, culture has clearly stopped. And they just picked the age, and that's what you have forever. It doesn't really make sense, because obviously they didn't, the war didn't happen in like 1950 or whatever. But in the distant future, they just latched on to the, the, all the culture, music especially, from this one certain age. And then I know this is also, I haven't actually read or seen it, but I know in the book and movie Ready Player One, this is sort of what happens. It's like 2050 or something, and everybody is obsessed with like 80s and 90s video game and movie culture. So I that one is explained in fiction. I've not read the book, but I have seen the movie, and according to some, my sister was so disappointed in the movie. She, she thought it was so much worse than the book. Um, Jen thought it was pretty comparable and fine i thought uh but there is an in-fiction reason why they are specifically obsessed primarily with 80s pop culture references in that universe talk about that uh so i don't again i've only seen the movie once i'm not i haven't read it i don't have all the lingo down but essentially 
it is a virtual reality world that was invented by this one guy and that one guy dies and there's a fortune to be found and that one guy was obsessed with the 80s and so all of the the hints and tricks and things to find are specific to that guy's 80s interests so all the people there's a whole subculture of people that are obsessed with that stuff because they want to make the fortune and so all those people are obsessed with the 80s but it's not like a uh, like the whole world is. It's just the people that are trying to specifically win this prize. Uh, they have to become obsessed with this era to like, exactly. figure out the clues and stuff. Yes, yes. That's exactly the kind of thing we want to lean into. Because let's work through a short story outline that explains why the Jonas Brothers and Kelly Clarkson are the bands of the moment in the year 3000. A short story outline that... You and I are creating, or you already have created. I have not created it. I want to talk through it right now. I want an explanation okay. for what happened. So, like, and it's not, and I don't want it to be the Jonas Brothers used the time machine and affected the future. It's got to right. be like on its own in a thousand year. And again, you can also take other clues from the song, which include the idea that things are mostly the same, but everyone lives underwater now. If that in somehow helps you get to. The Jonas Brothers sound better underwater. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's something. Um, what sort of things? I, I assume first. I, I think Fallout is a good path as well. For like <laughs> uh, losing history is a good way to make extremely old. Now this is much older than we're talking about in Fallout. Yeah, a thousand but, years is incomprehensible. Yeah, how long it is. And it's, it's yeah. Um, I. I feel like it has to be either, I guess it could be a common, I mean, what if instead of the, like, the Ready Player One guy who makes everybody try to find his fortune, that's pretty good, but make, maybe we would need a, for a thousand years and for it to be, like, the mainstream of pop culture, because these are presumably, like, major magazines that yeah, they're holding like spin up. spin magazine or Exactly, whatever. yeah. Um, if, I believe, let's see if I can do this. I believe the magazines are called Tune, which looks like Spin, and Rockboard, which looks like Billboard. Um, and, and is also combined with Rolling Stone somehow, because there's a stone. It's all there somehow. Yeah. <laughs> I would say we would probably need a figure on par with Jesus who comes in and says, this is what we're doing. Like maybe the Jonas Brothers and Kelly Clarkson are like apostles, and like they're, or maybe they're seen, maybe they're like Nostradamus, and they're seen as like they foretold the the coming waters that were going to make everybody live down there, and so. But I would think like, even if that were the case, then they would they would be like obviously like religious icons and cult icons, but they would not be simply music icons, and so like a magazine cover with like Jesus on the front would not be like super sweet tunes, Jesus. It'd be like our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ, the savior of the whole world has made excellent music a thousand years ago. Like I feel like if, if you have saved the earth or have the primary dominant religion uh, created around you, the cover of a music magazine, even if you were first famous for being a musician before you became Jesus, um, would not 
wouldn't just be talking about your music. I think that I think that that would be so drowned out, no pun intended, by your you know religious importance that it would be inappropriate and perhaps sacrilegious to just have you on the cover of Tune magazine. That's true for like the first two years after Jesus comes back. But what if Jesus came back in like 2900? And so like everybody knows that Christianity is real and Jesus is real. But also everybody's got to be good. We're also just kind of playing out the string. Like all the Christian stuff is legit. So you really have to be good while you're on earth and just like nice things. But you're just hanging out, playing out the string until you get to go to heaven. And so, like, while we're here, Jesus seemed to be friends with these Kelly Clarkson stuff people, uh, Jonas Brothers. We'll go ahead. They'll be the most famous musicians since they seem to be in connection with them dating back through the ages. I think that a hundred years after Jesus came back to Earth, but the Earth did not yet end, it would be the religious freaks that were into the Jonas Brothers and Kelly Clarkson and mainstream pop culture would have moved past them and there'd be an extreme backlash and counterculture. And so the front of tune magazine would be 2999's satanic rock icon. I think, I think you're prior, right? I think this is another example of me being too much of an optimist, which is always the case. Like, <laughs> I, I am very, I, I, I think of myself as an atheist, but I also think of myself as like open to evidence. And this is a thing I am frequently upset with in books, movies, television, or whatever. Is like people are like doubting the aliens after we've seen the aliens, or they're like, oh, you know, these zombies. We'll see how this goes. And it's like the moment it's clear that this is happening, everything you know is thrown out the window. You have to reset all your assumptions. And so, like, if Jesus came back, I would instantly be like, oh my god, this is by far the most important thing. Nothing matters besides doing good Christian stuff. But you're right. Like, two weeks later, plenty of people would be like, yeah, was that even, like, no matter what he had done, be like, that might not have been Jesus. Who fucking cares? Let's worship the devil as a funny joke. And there'd be tons of people doing it. And so I'm thinking of everyone like me, but in fact, most people would just, just let it fly right by. I mean, I think, let's say that happened, okay, Let's say things settle down over the next couple of years. Let's pretend, let's optimistically, speaking of optimism, let's say 2023 is an okay year. I hope I tell a joke half as funny as that on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, let's say things are not quite as terrible as they are, have been for the past few years and especially the past year. And then Jesus comes back uh, to current earth, but the world doesn't end. It's not Judgment Day. He's just, like, touching base. <laughs> Yo, what's uh, up? It would obviously, like, obviously, like, would shake up the whole world order, Im- like, immensely. But I think the main consequence would be, like, chaos. I think people would be worried about the apocalypse. People would be looting and rioting. Uh, I, I, like, I don't think that even... A, like some people would be like, oh yes, Christianity is real and we should be good. Uh, and let's, let's continue to live the rest of our lives in a Christianly way. I think it would just be, it would be completely disruptive and chaotic, uh, and not great. And so again, I don't think that it would, uh, actual Jesus's music preferences would have a large impact on a large portion of the earth. 
the only counterpoint to that is that in the year 3000, we only see, I believe, six people. And they're the Jonas Brothers, the three of them, and then these three ladies who I think are triplets, and they're all wearing pink wigs. And the three Jonas Brothers are all dressed the same, and the three triplets are all dressed the same. So maybe in the future we have like a much more organized, calmed down, orderly society. And so everybody will just fall. Like Jesus shows up and like, damn, Jesus is real. Okay. I think I um, do this shit. The other thing to point out, I have not re-listened to this song. In well, listening to the song doesn't get you much. You got to watch the video. I haven't, nor, and I certainly haven't rewatched the video oh, in a really long that's time. That's weird. Okay. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, so I was not prepared. <laughs> I didn't do any homework in advance for this. So, uh, but but the the other main fact we have is that the people that he's talking to are his direct descendants, right? It's your great great. He talks of them. I don't believe they are the people he, the, the the triplets he's talking to though. They are talking to though. Okay, because I was gonna say, if the other fact we have is that there's a so a let's consider these three things together. A one. The world is flooded, and people live in an underwater, underwater society. Two, seemingly population growth has fallen off a cliff. Uh, the world is not overcrowded, based on our observations, and in fact seems relatively sparsely populated. And three, of the seemingly small number of people that we are aware of, some of them are their direct descendants. So there's an apocalypse happened. There's not a lot of people around. And some of those people are directly related and easily traceable to the Jonas brothers. So maybe it's just the whole world is a religious cult of their direct ancestors. And that is why they still like the Jonas brothers, because there's like one religious family and they are all worship their whatever member great 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 parents i think we may be selling ourselves short here there's two there's two more steps we could take one they say everybody lives underwater did they go everywhere or did they just go to this underwater city maybe this is just a cult that got thrown out of society and they had to rebuild their civilization underwater and there's like a normal world someplace else like on the continent, the world is not flooded. They just happen to go to the future of this place. Or maybe they didn't even get in a time machine and they just went to some weird guy's house in the present that seems like it's underwater. And he's just like, oh, yeah, you guys are still famous in the future. Pretty cool, huh? Too bad this time machine only goes one direction. Welcome to my lair. Maybe that's what <laughs> happened here. <laughs> it's a short story with a twist ending. They they are now they are. It is a cry for help from that man's basement. And, and then the man takes his mask off. Kelly Clarkson. You fuckers uh, thought you outsold me? Never. Never outsold me. I'm the best. There you go. That's what happened. Okay, we got that's all canon. So somebody get on the Jonas Brothers Wikipedia to update that. I'm glad we got that sorted out. Pat, let's do another recurring segment. What sauce are you bringing to the table this week? All right. Um, I've mentioned to you, I'm, a, I'm like... A little thin on options, but I'm just so I'm just going to go more specific. I'm not going to give a category of sauce. 
I'm going to give a specific brand of hot sauce that I like. And so this is a weird one, a random one that uh, I first found it at a, the farmer's market in Chicago and it's from a place in Wisconsin. And so it is called Danger Zone Hot Sauce from Savory Accents in Verona, Wisconsin. And the label is cool. It has a scorpion on it. I was going to say, I mean, no matter what else, it has a, it's a cool, like, reddish pink label, at least to me. And it has a scorpion on the label. Extremely good already. Yeah, and so and it says danger zone, and it looks like um, like a warning label in some ways. It is all it's all just one yeah, like pink, pinkish reddish uh, label, and it's it certainly oversells the spiciness <laughs> with the packaging. It is not at all unbearably hot. Uh, it says ingredients: scorpion, boot halokia, and Scotch bonnet chilies, carrots, onions, garlic, brown sugar, and vinegar. So it's like, you know, spicy pepper, spicy pepper, spicy pepper, and then like stuff to balance it out. And it it just tastes like a good, well balanced hot sauce that's a little bit spicy and a little bit sweet, uh, and it has a very good flavor. And it does not like blow your palate out spicy. It doesn't even taste as hot as like um, if you've just had like a habanero hot sauce, like either the green kind or the orange kind that you get mostly at like Mexican restaurants and stuff. Like it's not even nearly as hot as that stuff. It's just like spicy a little bit spicy and a little bit sweet but it's really good it sounds really good that, that sounds i definitely am not here for the blow out your taste buds insanity spicy i do like the idea what if it's not that it's oversold but there's just like a conspiracy theory and like you don't want to get stung by a scorpion but it's like not a big deal <laughs> i think that whoever was being QAnon should have said that at some point like by the way here's a way to test Show your proof of how loyal you are. Scorpions are not a big deal. Get let one sting your tongue and just eat them. Do whatever. Post videos on YouTube of you doing this. That would have been <laughs> great. Why didn't they do that, there, idiots? There you go. I would say so. Uh, I would not be surprised if the average palate of a Wisconsinite cannot tolerate very spicy things. In general, the Midwest does not have a great reputation for spice tolerance. Um, and if you had to pick one state. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They eat cheese and sausage. And I'm sure that they, the average spice tolerance for someone from Wisconsin is probably not awesome. And so maybe this is considered hot in Wisconsin. Uh, but it, it is, it is, yeah, just a, a very good, well-balanced. And, and also you can order it from their website and have it mailed to you. And so we got like six bottles mailed to us recently. Because you save on shipping, you know. And uh, so we, we're just cruising through it. It's nice. delicious. Sounds really good. I also, anytime, it, this is an open invitation. Like, I grew up in Illinois, and I, I knew about people from Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Then I moved to Minnesota, and then I fucking learned about people from Wisconsin. Anybody who wants to come on the podcast, talk shit about Wisconsin, you're welcome. It's, it's wide open. Just let, shoot me a text. We'll get it set up. Fuck those people. My view... Sorry, my view is that um, it's one of those extremely asymmetrical rivalries. Uh, I think that Wisconsin and Indiana hate Illinois because of Chicago dominating the Midwest culture. And Illinois barely regards Indiana and Wisconsin. And so it is a, it, like, especially Chicago is like supremely confident 
in its position in the Midwest and doesn't really fear rivals. Whereas Wisconsin and Indiana just like rip on people from Illinois all the time. And like, we like don't even notice or pay attention. Yeah. Chicago can just divide itself up a million ways and be like, I don't like this part of Chicago. I don't like this suburb. They got plenty of stuff to do if they want to form rivalries. Who gives a shit about these shitty states that occasionally we have to drive through? Uh, that was spoken from the perspective of a person from Chicago, which I am not. I don't live in Chicago, but I, even as a young person, acquiesced completely. I grew up downstate Illinois. I was like, well, man, I wish I lived in Chicago. I think that's the right way to do it. Um, Pat, we have just one remaining major segment left. And this is, this is free-flowing. We'll just see where it goes. But I thought it would be fun if we had a conversation just about, like, our relationship with the outdoors. <laughs> uh, do you like going outside? Now, obviously, this is there's a million that can be taken a million different ways here in the current state of things. But are, do you consider yourself an outdoorsman? Extremely no. Yes, yeah, not even remotely. Uh, I I've never been fond of the outdoors, and that feeling has only further entrenched itself in my adulthood. And now. With my family and Jen's family, it has become a joke about how much I <laughs> don't care and dislike the outdoors. So let's start with this. Have you ever been camping? Yes, but not like any intense form of camping. I was a I was a Cub Scout and briefly a Boy Scout. I did like Cub Scout camp and Boy Scout camp a few times. I did summer camp. So Boy Scout summer camp and like church camp a few times. And then I've been on a, a small number of camping trips with my family. And one time in law school, we did like a camp. To, it was a horrendous idea. It was a small group of us. I definitely remember Aaron Lauder was involved. Uh, I don't remember who else. I'm sure it was multi, uh, other people from the league as well. We went to a park and like that has a campsite and set up tents. And then it was like, honestly, one of the worst rainstorms I've oh, ever no. experienced in my life and, and lightning. And we abandoned at a very late hour. We were like, obviously we didn't want to like admit defeat and wuss out immediately, but it was pouring rain and crazy lightning and so eventually we gave up because mostly we didn't want to get struck by lightning in the middle of this, you know, camp. And so we abandoned ship and we like got pizza at like two in the morning, some <laughs> random town. But it, like, I remember distinctly when we were driving and it was pouring rain, you could see the lightning just like shooting down the clouds and towards the horizon. Like it was just like a lightning show that was insane. Wow. And it was like in, in the clouds, just going everywhere constantly. And it was like, obviously the right decision to cancel. Um, I my, our friends, Gary and Abby, who are uh, Jen's friends from high school are super into hiking and camping. And so we've done like a, a tiny bit of camping with them. Um, so in general, yes, I've done some light camping, a very small number of times. I am generally pretty similar. I like to go like walk around in the woods. I like to be out in the woods, but then like, as soon as it becomes like a 
a hike, like we're going to do this hike, it becomes too much of a task for me. It becomes like something I have to do rather than like, I just kind of want to hang out in the woods. Uh, I haven't been camping in many years and this is very much the time of year where like, I'm always like, oh, I should just get some camping stuff. And this summer when I can get out again, I'll just start going camping. But I just know the extent to which I, I get very annoyed by everything. And like, even yes. in like the best of circumstances, like if I'm like in my bed, I will get annoyed frequently. And so the idea that I'm like going <laughs> to sleep on the ground in the woods, like I just, I, I think I might like pull my skin off and use it to hang myself or something. I'm very concerned about what would happen. I totally agree. I don't see the draw at all. It, like the only, so because they're so hardcore, like Gary and Abby are way into it. And like Gary has gone like hiking on like, some intense like mountain trails, like Appalachian mountain trails, not obviously the whole thing, but like doing some of that and stuff. Uh, so like anything that we've done with them by their standards has been extremely like entry level. Like mm-hmm. they, it's like glamping, it's car camping. It's like, you know, you still have access to all your stuff. You're not like taking a huge backpack and going deep into the woods. Like it, it was essentially car camping. Yeah. Uh, and so like, that's, you know, fine. Obviously, like we like would sleep in a tent, but we had access to our cars and a bunch of supplies. And one thing that is like kind of a fun thing, like I, I don't like nature. I don't like I don't care about I'll, I'll get into this more in detail later, but I don't care about being outside. I don't enjoy being outside. It's not a draw. I do. The only thing that is interesting of the challenges presented by camping is trying to cook surprisingly good food on a fire. <laughs> like, that is kind of fun. Um, like, we made, like, sourdough pancakes on a fire. And it's like, that's cool to make pancakes just on a campfire. Um, when we, when I, I've mentioned this before, I'm sure, but in college, we would do bonfires on the beach, and we would roast a ham on a giant bonfire. So, like, cooking with the challenge of doing it over an open fire is, like kind of an interesting challenge that I don't mind uh, as far as camping. And like, obviously I like hot dogs was mentioned previously and s'mores like a classical camping food is pretty tasty. Uh, but then yeah, trying to cook something that is surprisingly challenging and, and interesting on a fire can be fun too. But, but as far as being outside, I don't care. And like sleeping in a tent does not appeal to me at all. Now I am very borderline on like part of me thinks like, I think I could, if I did the right car access camping everything i could have a good time but i should i do think i should still try to embrace this and it can work for me if you said that as part of that i have to figure out how to make sourdough pancakes over a fire that would be the end of the road for me and i would (laughs) definitely be out permanently yeah so to to emphasize my disinterest and perhaps even dislike of nature um it always the a thing that people say constantly that I cannot relate to at all is like how much they like different outdoor scenes. Like I have to live by the water. Someday I want to move next to water. Like people like, Oh, you live in, you know, well, obviously like Chicago's on, on Lake Michigan, but like if you lived in the middle of Illinois and you didn't have a big body of water, like, Oh, I just, I just couldn't live there. I couldn't live without water. Like, man, I don't care about that. I do not want to live on a body of water at all. People, people want to move to ever like practically everyone I know talked about moving to Colorado at some point in the past 10 years. Uh, they want to live in the mountains. They can't live where it's so flat. I don't care about mountains at all. 
and uh, trees. Obviously, they are good. They give us oxygen uh, and support animals and things, but uh, people talk about how beautiful the forests are or the fall foliage, and I don't care at all, especially when it is just trees that happen to turn yellow and brown, like not even like a bright red. Uh, my parents live in the middle of nowhere in Virginia on a lake, and they love it. And they're like, "Is you have to admit, it's really pretty. I'm like, it is literally just trees and a lake. <laughs> I, I do not think this is pretty. This is not aesthetically pleasing to me at all. Like, there are some trees in my neighborhood that turn bright red in the fall. And, like, I think those individual trees are cool looking. But, like, looking at a, a side of a, a mountain and it's all brown because the leaves turned is, like, not pretty or interesting to me at all. And I don't understand why people love fall foliage and think that, like, a place that has trees that turn in in the fall is like a beautiful thing it just is drab to me i think this is a difference between us but i do really like going to the beach so i would like to live next to the water or like i could never afford to live next i can't imagine a scenario where i could afford to live next to the water at a place i would also like to go to the beach but like Mm -hmm. i'd like to have beach access sure but beyond that like living on a lake, I don't think I would get much out of it. I also agree that I, every year I go out and I, I, we go and we find the fall colors. And you're right that like, to me, it's it's such a small window and so few trees will do what I want to see. Red and orange is great. Yellow, not as good as green. And I can see green a full three months of the year. I live in Minnesota. I got plenty of green <laughs> trees around. So I don't need any, uh, I guess there's fucking Christmas trees everywhere because I live in the North Pole. But uh, the yellow trees, brown trees, much worse than what it's I saw in like yeah. July. And mm-hmm. I looked at the trees then. I like to walk around in the woods because it smells good and it's cool. But I'm also afraid I will be attacked by an animal. And I don't necessarily even mean like a bear. I think if a squirrel comes up to me, it's going to fuck me up. I don't have the capability of like fighting a squirrel well. So I'm, I, I'm uncomfortable. I usually like the ideal would be if I could go out there and then like have my switch. And so it's like it smells good and it feels nice. And there's a nice breeze. And I can like play some video games. That would be great. I don't need a lot of like we're going to hike this whole thing. You mentioned how your friend Gary does at least portions of these hardcore trails. This is a very common thing, especially among white people of our age, like having aspirations of one day doing the Pacific Crest Trail or the Appalachian Trail. You have any of that in you ever think like, boy, I ought to just shape my life around that for the next three years and like get into the proper hiking shape and then somehow convince my job that I need a nine month leave of absence to go do this vision quest I have. You don't, you have any of that? It may surprise you to hear that. No, I have literally no desire. I can't imagine to have a huge hike that takes months and months and almost kills me. I, I wouldn't, I mean, I would like to like, I, I having a fitness goal like that would be fine. Like I don't mind, like when I have the capacity, both uh, schedule wise and uh, physically to like exercise more. And I, I, I don't, I like running outside just because it is uh, a f- better way 
like I like running outside versus running on a treadmill, you might take my previous comments to say like, well, Pat would prefer to run on a treadmill because outside is stupid. But like, no, it's more interesting to see things move mm-hmm. and see like scenery. You can look uh, at all I those cool care. buildings and stuff. Exactly. Love, love, Man. Yeah. There's like a dog. Do you see that dog <laughs> out there? Um, but I, yeah. So like having a fitness goal that would be, that would be applicable to hiking a long distance is, I guess, fine. But I I would never, ever want to do a long hike at all. No, of course not. That's absurd. Setting and achieving a fitness goal and being able to do that would be great as long as you don't have to do it at the end. Because, like, even if, like, you're capable, it's good. Like, like you're just, your feet are going to turn into giant blisters and bleed forever. You're just going to die. Someone will probably rob you at some point. I have a terrible sense of direction. Absolutely terrible. I would definitely get lost and like there'd be no reception and then I would just become a missing person. Yeah. And people listen to this podcast like, what the fuck is wrong with that guy? Why did he go on the Appalachian Trail? (laughs) He plainly did not want to. He was exactly right about what would happen. He's He's a fucking corpse. Yep. How about this last one? You see more and more people, especially during the pandemic right now, you read these stories People maybe they're they're out of work or they have uh, certain like remote work capabilities, and they're just like I'm just gonna live out of my car and drive around and go to all the national parks and do this. You ever want to live out of your car for a while? See what that's like. It's it's this is obviously only outdoors adjacent, but you could do so many outdoorsy things. You have any any sense of that? Again, no. I I'm very uh, I'm a, I'm a... I like my creature comforts. I I would not. First of all, obviously in my current life uh this would not work with a family um well you I'm could not... just ditch jen and run away exactly yeah so that would be fun I, I just like load up the car with as much stuff as i can bring with me and i gotta go to the grocery to store parks yeah uh no yeah like i have too much stuff i i i enjoy comfort uh like i would i would like to travel like doing a long trip seeing the sites like i there there's obviously a lot of america that i have not seen that sounds cool i wouldn't mind a road trip with the family or you know running away from the family but i don't want to live out of my car and like say like yeah i'm i'm unencumbered now and work doesn't care if i where i am so i will just couch surf and live in my car and be a hobo for a year that is not appealing to me either no this is one. This is the one for me. It's very appealing in the abstract, and that like it sounds cool. And then I just think about the second day I haven't had a shower, and it's like, what's going to happen now? As I, I and, and the idea, like someone's like, oh, you can, you can find a YMCA. It's like, no, I'm not going to do that. It's that's 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 off the. T- I have to drive back home and get in my own shower now. So this trip is canceled. I drove to the North Dakota Minnesota border. Great fucking job, Johnny. You're an idiot. Um, you took two days to get there. That's rough. <laughs> I, I had to see all the sites on the way. <laughs> I won't be naming them because they're too numerous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just it, it, like in, in in general, it sounds cool, and I love the like. The, well, you don't have to make plans. You just try. You want to you want to go see Yellowstone? Drive to Yellowstone and see it. You want to go see Yosemite? Well, now drive over there and see it. There, uh, so two different people, one person from IMSA who is like a 
at the time, like I viewed him as just like a he, obviously smart guy, but just like kind of like a fun guy, not like super weird, like just a little bit strange, but like a, just a fun loving guy. I heard from a mutual friend that after college he did just like literally like ride the rails and just like hitch rides on rail cars for a while to travel the country unencumbered uh for fun obviously not not out of necessity he wasn't like by force homeless or anything like that he just wanted to see the world and then uh another friend from college uh wanted to hitchhike across the country for fun and he like kept a kind of like a blog of his activities uh and so he was like yeah trying to hitchhike across the country and so like those were like specific sh- maybe short-term endeavors i guess i never really got an update on what i mean i know that guy is around i don't think he like stayed homeless or anything but uh i don't i i antici- i gather that it wasn't that long term of a thing for him and it definitely my my other friend uh, who was hitchhiking did not make it all the way across the country before he eventually came back so these were both yeah like a specific goal and then aborting it eventually um but yeah I, yeah no not not going to not going to do it not going to do it um I think we're right. This I <laughs> we are right. This is the correct view. <laughs> Let's go back through all the segments and decide whether or not our opinions were right. Um, no, I, now I think everything bagels are the best. <laughs> Hitchhiking, camping, living in your car—the worst. Mm-hmm. Trees dumb. Uh, what? Let's talk about the circumstances under which you would hitchhike. Like. Absolute necessity. <laughs> like, ran out of gas on the turnpike. Like, not like a normal freeway where I could walk to an exit. Or and like my my cell phone is dead. There's like, no it, ropes around you can use to hang yourself. Yeah, yeah. You got to get to Home I, Depot and buy a rope. Uh, so we used to do a lot of uh, cross country trips when I was a kid from. Illinois, from Morris, Illinois, to either Virginia or Florida to visit either my dad's side of the family in Virginia or my mom's side, my mom's parents in Florida, and so and we always almost always drove instead of flew, and uh, my dad at least one distinct time ran out of gas on the Pennsylvania Turnpike oh and hitchhiked with a guy to get a canister of gas so that we could make it to a gas station, and. Uh, my mom still has not forgiven him for that happening. It is a topic of conversation on occasion. And so like the, I, my parents I'm sure were hippies and they met at a motorcycle shop and had a much more adventurous youth than I did. Uh, and I'm sure they probably hitchhiked a, a decent amount when they were younger. Uh, and so like, probably my dad was more willing to hitchhike to solve that problem than I would be, but it would have to be something extremely dire for me to hitchhike. And of course I would have to like, I, I don't know. How do you reject some, cause I would, I would have to be picky with the person that picked me up somehow, <laughs> but how do you reject someone who offers you the ride when you're hitchhiking? Right. I was I kidding. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I am a cosplayer. Are I'm you good. familiar with this term? Yes. I'm going to keep walking. Thank you though. You're so kind. I just Please remembered I'm almost where I want to be, which is right over there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to have you give me a ride there, but there's no point in that, so we might as well just finish this. Um, Pat, that was our last segment. Excellent work. Do you have anything you. you'd like to plug? 
So as I hinted at the beginning when I was talking about how I'm a child and I ate a bagel dog recently, I'm also a child in that uh, I have lately, because of Lily, but then expanded to my own, uh, been doing perler kits, perler beads. If you recall, I, I don't know if I knew the term until recently, but those are those little circular beads with a hole in the middle, and you make a pattern, uh, and then you put an iron on it and melt it a little bit so they all stick together. And so I don't think I ever made them when I was a little kid, but that is the time that people do them, not when they're adults. <laughs> uh, and, like, you do it at, like, summer camp or, uh, you know, maybe Cub Scouts or Girl Scouts or something. Like, it is a child activity to make a thing. And Lily specifically has been doing them at school. She has hearts every time it's hearts at school. Uh, and she loves them, and she gives them away to people. She gives them to us. She gives them to her grandparents. Um, and so Jen was like, oh, Lily likes these. Let's get a perler kit. And so then she got some for Lily so they could do them at home and then you make your own design. And so Lily and Jen, for me, made a Mario mushroom, like a super mushroom, as a gift. And then I super appreciated it, perhaps more than Jen anticipated. And so that Jen was like, this was a good idea. So I'm going to get more video games, specifically Mario Perler stuff. And so she got a one piece thing that was just a superstar uh, Mario design. And that was a hit. So then she got a huge 4,000 bead <laughs> Mario Perler set that makes 16 different designs. And, and uh, it's cool, and I have been making them. Lily continues to pearl and likes it, and and so what has been happening is we are sitting next to each other, and I am intricately making a Mario design on my side of the table, and she is making, like, a kitten or a cupcake or some other thing, and she's much more, like, freewheeling, just mixing and matching colors as she sees fit, and I'm, like, precisely following the pattern <laughs> with the colors prescribed to make it what is a accurate uh, Mario thing. And so uh, I am plugging Perler kits, especially if you are one of the people listening to this who has children, uh, because then you are less pathetic if you view it as a parent-child activity and you happen to enjoy it. And so I've made a few Mario things. Uh, so they made me the mushroom and then I made a star with Lily. And then after that, I made a question mark box from like original Mario. And then I made a flying Koopa Troopa. And my intent is to make uh, fridge magnets out of this. And so I'm going to like glue a powerful magnet onto the back of these so that they could like hold up, you know, a piece of paper or something. And so that they will be not just sitting around, but you know, a little fun, useful thing to put on the fridge and hold up stuff. And, uh, Specifically, NES era pixel art is perfect for Perler kits. I have found out, and what, and I think the reason that it so intrinsically appeals to me because just it is. I'm pretty sure it's exactly one to one pixel per Perler bead. Uh, like just the resolution of small items in Mario just exactly maps to something that is achievable with a Perler kit, and so it is very pleasing and very accurate, and I like it. Uh, it, it sounds great. I think you're right that we have. Uh, a lot of people in this group who have the exact right age of children who would probably be very much in line. And it sounds like an extremely healthy, like, you know, uh, father or mother would sit down with a child and they both just go to work and we learn about 
life skills and parenting skills and being a child skills and everything all at once. This sounds really good and it sounds fun. Uh, I think this is an excellent plug. Thank you. My plug, isn't, no, no, my plug isn't as good, but uh, how recently have you revisited the early seasons of the MTV show Catfish? <laughs> I have not recently. I did. Um, I think I watched like an episode. I watched the documentary, the original one from which the term came. Mm -hmm. uh, and I watched like one, maybe two episodes when that first became a thing on MTV. And I have not, I didn't watch the rest of it. And I haven't watched any since then, since it originally aired. Uh, I saw the movie and did not especially like it. And I think it's, kind of dumb but I think the TV show is very good uh, you can't watch the new ones because the real heart of the show is the host Max and uh, he Neve is the guy who's the main guy in the movie he's on the show as well it's Max and Neve in the early season but eventually uh, Max leaves and Max is like the truth teller on the show who gives it to people straight and a lot of these people need to have it given to them straight. Uh, it's, it's a great show. I think it, it holds up better than I thought. It is a fun time capsule to a slightly earlier day. You see a lot of the, you see a lot of lives you don't normally see on television, people's houses, people who are not Hollywood attractive. <laughs> and you almost always come out of it finding much more compassion for the people doing the catfishing rather than the people being catfished, which is often an interesting twist. And when you don't feel that way, the people are so horrifyingly despisable that it is fun in its own way. Uh, it's a great show. It's on Hulu. Uh, you can watch it. If you have Hulu without commercials, you can watch it without commercials. If you try to watch it on the MTV app because you have access that way, it makes you watch so many fucking commercials. It's not worth it. And that's where the newer seasons are anyway, and you don't want to watch those. You want to watch the old seasons on Hulu. So if you have any interest at all, old seasons. Now, again, I, I also think, uh, I don't know what season Max left, but you don't want to watch it then. He also left to like work on some movie or something for like a half a season and a couple episodes at another point. So if you get into an episode, there's a guest host. Get right the fuck back out of there. But uh, lots of good stuff. There's some classic episodes. There's a guy who thinks he's dating Katy Perry, and it's it's really something. Um, <laughs> so uh, high, highest of high recommendations. I think this is an elite. This is this shows us what reality television can accomplish in an interesting way. Um, I've got a question. Yes. Not from the show, but from the uh, very impressive job by them to make catfishing a term like that took purchase in society. Was it confirmed that Monty Teo was catfished um, by some random person, or was that just a rumor that happened? I, he definitely did not actually. That lady didn't exist who he was talking okay. about all the time. Yeah, I think it was. I think I think the general belief, and then someone who might be more knowledgeable can correct me. I think what most people think happened is that he oversold how strong his relationship with this online person was because it was such a sympathetic story mm -hmm. and that he was not being like violently catfished like it might have sounded he just didn't really know this person and he kind of was like oh yeah this is my girlfriend and then it just kind of got out of line when it came out what was up some people think he was faking the whole thing the whole time and he knew it was He's fake it. 
And then some people think that like, he was absolutely in love with this girl. But I think that I hate the truth is in the middle. I do not believe the truth is usually in the middle. But I think in this circumstance, it's probably just that he oversold this because it was a good story and then it blew up in his face. Gotcha. Uh, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, Maybe man. I will check it out. Uh, I hope you do. And if you don't like it, just don't tell me because I won't be able to handle it. But other than that, it's been a fantastic time talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on the program. Thank you. It was lovely chatting. Best wishes in the intervening days. <laughs>